The Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, on that same day, when Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. Now, their eyes, though, were kept from recognizing Jesus. And Jesus said to them, What are you talking about with each other while you walk alone? They stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered Jesus, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? And Jesus asked them, What things? And they replied, The, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a, a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yeah, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things took place, and moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the, the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Well, then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Wasn't it necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is evening and the day is nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. And they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. 
Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but this has been a hard week for me. I actually, at the beginning of the week, thought the week was doing, going great. <clears throat> I felt great. And then I talked with my spiritual director. <clears throat> She's somebody I talk with once a month, and the conversation is always centered around, how is God showing up for me in my life? It is in this past month. Um, what's, what's my prayer like these days? She asked me at one point in the conversation, she said, how do you handle crisis? Are you good in a crisis? And I said, well, I think so. And she said, yeah, I think so too. And then she said, you know, what I know about people who are good in a crisis is that a lot of times they bottle up all of their feelings during the crisis. And that's what lets them get through it and stay calm and be a leader and a hopeful presence in people's lives, even in the midst of the crisis. But then when it's over, she said, all of that stuff has to come out of the bottle and that's when they lose it. Do you think, she said, do you think that's happening to you? Well, I started to feel a little buzz in my body that was the first sign that maybe yeah all of it was just getting all bottled up the problem with having that conversation with her was the i couldn't keep it all in the bottle anymore the, the, the genie was out the cat was out of the bag and i started feeling all of these feelings I was so tired and angry and sad and anxious. So I actually have been on a journey this week, a journey that has involved some hard prayer and this gospel reading. I don't know if you ever do that. Pick up uh, the gospel reading for the coming Sunday and just journey with it all week. Read it more than once on consecutive days and let it speak to you about your own life and circumstances. Um, maybe you do that. Maybe you'll want to try that. But <clears throat> I first when I read this, <clears throat> this was while I was still all sort of bottled up, I thought, what is going on with these two disciples, these yahoos? I thought, you know, if I was in their shoes, all of this crazy stuff is happening in Jerusalem, I might stay put to see what was going to happen next. But they didn't do that. I was confused. Well, then later, after the bottle came open, I went on a walk myself, 
we're not too far away from a, from a stream, a duck creek in Davenport. I walked down to the creek, and as I was walking back, I suddenly had this deeper appreciation for maybe what they were going through. They maybe were not thinking. Maybe they were feeling. Maybe they just knew they had to get out and do something with everything that they had seen and heard. Maybe they just needed the space, the time to breathe. But whatever it was, they thought, I think, maybe, they were on the road back to normal. I mean, the gospel doesn't say exactly why they were going to Emmaus of all places. But they have a sense, because they had a place to be when they got there, that this was home. This was the road back home, back to normal, back to life as it was after these interesting things, perhaps, that had happened in Jerusalem. Sad, confusing, but ultimately they were over and they were going back to normal. I know that a lot of us can't wait to get back to normal. And maybe a lot of us are worried about when normal will come and what the new normal will look like. Maybe we can find ourselves on this very same road with these disciples. I had a little bit more appreciation then for what they might have been going through. You know, the question that the, uh, the children's Bible, we just heard it in the children's Bible, the question that the disciples were asking each other in that version of the story was, why did Jesus have to die? And, you know, there's maybe some of us who are wondering, why does this have to be happening? And I don't know that I have a great answer, but I know that sometimes it's death, which makes me stop, that arrests me, that makes me pay attention in a new way. It seems like the reason why Jesus had to die was to share the whole journey with us. Not just the journey that went from life to life, but the real journey that involves struggle and sin and death. That if Jesus hadn't died, where would the redemption in those times be? Which is really the redemption of the whole. And if he didn't rise again, certainly there would be no redemption at all. But here they are, walking, maybe clearing their heads. And when they finally do recognize Jesus, it's nothing that they have done or committed to do. The initiative is really all on Jesus' part. 
Jesus wakes them up to his presence by doing this same thing that he's done before and twisting it. And suddenly they must realize in that moment that the normal that they were going back to is, is new, is alive with the presence of Jesus. This meal that they had shared before, before he died, was new too, had become a sign that he was alive. And they didn't care to stay at normal anymore. They rushed back from Emmaus to Jerusalem, even though it was the middle of the night. Now, the power of the resurrection is the power of change. If there was no change that was part of the resurrection, and it was just going back to the way things were, then we would call it resuscitation. There would be no great hope there. But in this case, there is change. The place where they were going, this old place is new again. And so we can all, we should all feel free to try to go back to normal again. But know that that journey is going to be a hard one and a joyous one in the end. And perhaps a a realization that we don't want normal to be normal anymore. Let me say a few things about prayer and the fact of hard prayer. You know, I think that we may have this image. Uh, maybe you've seen these kind of images. There's a, 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 an image from behind of a, of a woman sitting in kind of a cross-legged, maybe yoga posture with like the sunset in the distance. This, is, this maybe captures what a lot of us have in mind when we think about what stillness and solitude and silence is all about. What prayer can or should be or maybe even what we're looking for in life, a refuge from all of the the chaos and the fear, the anxiety and exhaustion, all of those things that I was trying to bottle up before. And then something comes along that just does not fit with that serene image. All of these feelings that I didn't want to be feeling this week were there. And there is something about death that just brings us back to reality. I mean, even our own government and its slowness to respond to this crisis clearly wanted it to be something else, not as bad, something we had taken care of with a couple of travel restrictions. It certainly wasn't until people started dying and the projections showed how many people might die that all of us had to stop and realize how serious this really was. That moment of being arrested invited us to come face to face with reality. 
Reality does not bend to our will, sadly. Instead, we're invited to enter into the real reality. And in that real reality, trust that Jesus will find us. Jesus will awaken us so that reality becomes new and suddenly, instead of a dead end, all kinds of possibility. I mean, they are those disciples were certainly in the place where they felt like death and sin and Jesus' absence meant a dead end. But Jesus came to show them that that wasn't true. I mean, I know that my prayer this week has not been serene. It has not been that picture of a, of a sunset and silence. It has been full of struggle. And ultimately, that struggle could not be to try to put all of those feelings back into the bottle. That would have been the road back to normal. Normal would have been goodbye emotions. But the road forward to transformation is a road that means surrendering to all of those feelings. That's what it meant for me this week. Letting go of that fruitless effort and letting Jesus appear as he was determined to appear. That happened for me this week. And that's what I trust will happen for all of us sooner or later. And what I hope for our nation is that we have our own kind of awakening. I mean, part of what was so hard for me this week was, was hearing the news of the folks in the meatpacking plants who are just racked with illness and some beginning to die. You know, there are people in my life who work in those meatpacking plants. Not all the way out in Cedar Rapids, but ones closer, thankfully ones that have not been racked by coronavirus. But this coronavirus is revealing how unfair the world is as people without sick leave are forced to go to work even though they're sick, and so not only spread it to everyone else, but also put their own lives at risk. I mean, could we not have gone a couple of months without meat? I mean, many people do it during Lent. And yet, I realize that my own safety is sometimes dependent upon other people's suffering. And it's that powerlessness that really stops me short. To recognize as much as I want the world to be different than it is, and as much as I hope that what I have to contribute moves the world in a better direction, that it is still not there. There are still people dying because they have to go to work, because Somebody has to make a buck. And yet, part of this new, new, the like awakening to Jesus that these disciples experienced meant they moved beyond 
the death and the sin that caused the death, they weren't still stuck on why did Jesus die, or how dare those people kill him, or I really let him down in his moment of need. When Jesus appeared to them, they were beyond it already, because Jesus was beyond it. Jesus, in his life, was pulling them beyond it, into a life of possibility and freedom. That's what I hope for all of us, that that spark of a moment that makes everything seem new and everything seem possible, that we would want to reinvest our lives in the struggle for love and for justice and for hope and healing instead of disengage from it. That's the moment I pray for all of us. So just keep hanging with Jesus, because Jesus keeps hanging with you. Thanks be to God.